tonight for something great. <sighs> the Hebrew people had just been delivered from 400 years of oppressive, cruel slavery. And God had worked amazing miracles through Moses, the type of which the world hadn't seen before and really hasn't seen since, including the Passover, which we celebrate this week. And God set them free from slavery, right, by his mighty right hand and his people go free. But as you know, maybe if you know the story, the Egyptian army follows them out into the desert. And right when it looks like they're beyond hope, God makes a way where there is no way. And God parts the Red Sea and the Hebrew people cross the sea on dry ground. But as their enemy, as the army follows them, God closes the sea and washes the army away. Get this, God washes their old slave masters Away, It's this beautiful picture of salvation. And now God's people are actually free people. And what God does, he takes them through the wilderness to this place called Mount Sinai. And it's there at the foot of Mount Sinai that God tells Moses to assemble the people and get this. Think about this. For the first time in the history of the world. Listen, for the first time in the history of the world, God appears to an entire people group at the same time. Before that, God had always appeared to one person here and one person there, but it's here at Mount Sinai that God speaks to the entire community at the same time. And it's there that he gives them the Ten Commandments. It's there that he shows them how to walk in justice and mercy towards their neighbor, how to live in covenant relationship with their God. Uh, it's there that he continues the covenant that he made with Abraham to, to give them land. Think about I mean, think about this, guys. These guys have been in slavery for 400 years, always working somebody else's land. But now God says, you don't belong to anybody else. You belong to me, so I'm going to give you your own land. And it's there in Exodus 24, when God's done speaking, it says this, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice and they all said, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Because up until that point, listen, God had spoken to, to, to Adam and Eve individually. God had spoken to Abraham. God spoke to Moses. Fast forward, God speaks to Elijah, to Samuel, to the prophets. Go over to the New Testament. God speaks to Mary. God speaks to, to, to uh, the resurrected Jesus, speaks to Saul on the Damascus road. He speaks to John, gives him the book of Revelation, right? God spoke individually. God loves speaking individually to his people. But it's here at Mount Sinai that we see that God also loves rallying his people together, getting his people together to give them one corporate word that they all hear and live out together. Together, you fast forward, you see the people huddled up in synagogues hearing God's word together. You go over to the New Testament, right? And Jesus assembles the crowd on the hillside, speaks to them together. You go to Acts 2, day of Pentecost, spirit of God comes down, what? When the people are together. Paul, Peter, John write letters to the early churches to encourage them together because we have a God who loves to speak individually, but he also loves to speak corporately individually and corporately. And as we've talked about in this series already, God speaks to us individually through the Bible, through personal times of reading the Bible. God speaks to us individually through prayer, individually through prayer and, and dreams and visions and prophetic words. But God also, today what we're diving into, God also 
loves to speak to his people as they gather together to hear a corporate word from God. This is part of who we are because when we hear, listen, when we hear God's word together, our response always is everything the Lord has said, we will do. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Let's say that together. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. One more time. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. But here's where it all starts, okay? Here's where it all starts. This is hearing God 101. Hearing God begins with believing that he speaks. That's like step one, man, right? Because if you don't believe that God speaks, you will discount every single time that God does speak. And we have a speaking God. In fact, your faith statement today may just simply be this. I believe that God still speaks, right? So some of you, actually, let's, some of you, if you can say it, let's say that together. I believe God still speaks. Some of you, let's make it personal. If you can say this, I believe God still speaks to me. That's where this journey begins. Because listen, here at Victory, we're, we're on this journey of continually reminding ourselves that we were made for something great, right? But to actually begin living this life of following this great path that God has each one of us individually on, that he has plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. We believe that, we're on that journey, we're on that path. But in order to go on that path, we have to follow God's voice as a good shepherd to lead us down that path. Right? And so Jesus calls himself the good shepherd here in John 10. He's talking about himself. Verse four, he's talking about himself. He says, his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, this is true with sheep. They will run away from a stranger because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. But Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Why? Because we have a God who loves to speak and we need to be people who follow the good shepherd, right? Because listen, there are the voices of strangers that want to take you out into the wilderness and leave you there. But we have the voice of a good shepherd who wants to lead us to green pastures and still waters and restore our soul. And so we have an option. Who are we going to listen to? And here's, the, here's how God speaks. This is, this is the, uh, the two words for word in the Greek, which is the, the original language of the New Testament. We have logos and rhema. So logos, the, or logos, however you say it, is the written word of God. This is the Bible. This is the unchanging, unfailing, grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. The logos, the written word of God. And God also speaks through the spoken word. So God speaks through the written word, the Bible, and God also speaks through the spoken word or the proclamation. Here's, here's a really familiar scripture, Romans 10, 17, for some of us. It says, this is Paul. He says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema, of God. And here's where I think a lot of us mix this up. We say, well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by reading the Bible. Yes. Yes. Okay. But that's not what Paul's talking about right here. The whole context of Romans 10 is preaching. He's saying faith comes by hearing and hearing by preaching. So he says, there's a special place for the corporate hearing of the word of God. Because there is power in individually hearing from God, but there's also power in the corporate hearing from God. And so one of the greatest, most transformative things that we have to do is to corporately sit under the word of God together in this thing called the sermon. Guess what? You're hearing one right now. 
right? This is important. This is super important. The never changing, as we proclaim, the never changing word of God. Something happens. Listen, something happens between lips and ears and heart that's supernatural. Something happens when we proclaim the word. And I get this. Listen, I know I live in the same world you do. And we all live in the world that says what? I don't want to be preached to. Right? I mean, some of y'all, you're online right now because you're like, oh, I don't want nobody preaching to me. It's just different sometimes when I sit at home. I, I can ignore part of it, right? Like, this is the world we live in, right? It's like, I don't, I don't want nobody preaching to me. And here's what we have to understand, guys. You're being preached to all day long. Like, all day long. All day. John, Jesus just said it there in John 10, right? Is that there are many voices of strangers, The real question isn't whether or not you're going to be preached to. The real question is, what preaching are you going to listen to? Right? Because maybe you're getting hung up on that word preaching. Think of it like this. That preaching is communication about how life should work. So in that sense, you hear a thousand sermons every single day. You can preach to, listen, Coke. What does Coke do? Coke tries to tell you that your life will be better if you drink it. It's trying to preach to you how life should work. Every advertisement you will ever see here or here is preaching to you. That's preaching. It's communication about how life should work. Listen, every time you scroll through social media, it's preaching to you. It's trying to tell you, this is how you get popular. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is how you get accepted. This is what's funny. This is what's not funny. It's telling you how life, in other words, it's preaching to you how life should work. You go to CNN, you go to Fox News, they are preaching a worldview to you. So in other words, when you see events happen, put on this lens. See it through these eyes. See it through these glasses. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whoever, they are preaching to you, right? Your friends are preaching to you. Your mama's preaching to you. Your grandmama's preaching to you. Right, Your teachers are preaching to you. That show that you watch, that tries to tell you and show you something that you know is not God, what it's trying to do is trying to tell you, hey, God's ways are antiquated. I have bad news, guys. God's word hasn't kept up with the day. So you need to come into this way of living. I, I personally, I watch Saturday Night Live pretty much every single week. Why? Sometimes it's funny. Like 4% of the time it's funny. And then it's really funny. But... But I really, I want to know what conversations the world is having. And I promise you this, Saturday Night Live is preaching to you. It's trying to tell you how life works. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. Don't be a bigot. Do it like this. Accept this. Say yes to that. Say no to that. It's preaching to you. We're, listen, I just uh, I came across this last night. Um, there's, there's a guy, all your kids, some of you listen to his music. All your, all, all your kids listen to his music. Released the number one song for 19 weeks on the, on the charts. He's now coming out with satanic Nikes. That hit TMZ last night. Literally, there's a special, special run, guys. Only 666 pairs available. On the, on the laces, there will be a pentagram. And on the sole, it will have a drop of human blood. And this is somebody who bought his way into our homes through a popular song. Listen to me. You better believe you're being preached to. I don't care what you call it. You're being preached to. You're being told the right way and the wrong way. 
the way to live life. And I promise you this, if we are not listening to God's communication about how life works, what is life and what is death, what is right and what is wrong, what is blessed and what is cursed, then we will be deceived. We will drift away and our love will grow cold. And this is why it's never been more important to sit under the corporate hearing of life, of God's word in our generation than it is right now. Because there's power in what we're doing right now. Listen, my confidence today, any, any preacher's confidence is not in their own abilities. All right, listen, I know I'm called to this, but I can't take credit for anybody's life being changed. You wanna know why? I'm a mailman. I'm a delivery boy. I can't take credit for your life being changed any more than a messenger can take credit for ending a war because he delivered the peace documents, right? Christ, something happened. Listen, Christ inhabits his word. When it gets proclaimed, something supernatural happens. My confidence is in Isaiah 55. God says, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. In other words, the same way that the clouds send rain and it waters the crop does not evaporate until it's done its job. When God's word goes out, it doesn't return back to God until it produces fruit in our lives. God's word never returns to him void. There is power in the word, not because I'm saying it, but because Jesus is in it. Christ inhabits his word. The logos inhabits the rhema as we proclaim it, as we speak it. There's power in these words. Again, not because a human is saying them right now, but because God has spoken them. And as we utter them, something happens between lips and ears and heart, which is supernatural. There's power here, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the dunamis of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. In the Greek, dunamis means power. That's the same word we get dynamite from. The gospel, the word of God about Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, coming back. It is the dynamite of God. Listen, as we proclaim the word, it's like a, a stick of dynamite gets lodged in our heart. It's on right now because you're in here. You're hearing it. Come on online. That, that fuse is burning. Why? Because the power of the word of God comes in. And only God's words, not my words, not your friend's words, not your mama's words, not a politician's words, not a social media influencer's words. Only the gospel of God can blow up the concrete in our heart and change us and transform us into new people. And this is why, this is why, as soon as a pastor changes the word of God because it offends modern ears, the power of God has left that church. This is why we see entire denominations falling right now. Listen, some of them are completely out of touch. I get it. I get it. They are ready. If Jesus came back in 1980, they would still be ready. You know what I'm saying? Like they're ready for 1980, Jesus. They're not ready for 2020. Like, they, like they're so behind the times. But listen, churches are not falling because they're behind the times. Churches are falling because they've changed the gospel. And instead of giving people a stick of dynamite, they gave people a pillow. And we made people really comfortable on their way to hell. I don't want to offend you. I don't want, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. Listen, some of you are here for the first time. Like, like, I love you. Listen, 
But we need, we need to hear this stuff, okay? The gospel is dynamite. And so whenever, whenever we're ashamed, whenever we're afraid, whenever we're like, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Listen, dynamite messes things up. And when we, when we stop speaking the word because modern ears don't want to hear it, the dunamis has left the building. We've, we've made the gospel devoid of its power. And the power of God is left. And that's why churches are falling. And so guys, what we have to do, we have to understand that there is transformative power, dynamite-like power, and the proclaimed, authoritative, unflinching, uncompromising, loving, joy-filled proclamation of the word of God. It changes us. Let me read you a chunk of scripture, Ephesians 4, 11. It says, and God has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. This is what we call the five-fold ministry, that God has given the church the five-fold ministry. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. In other words, so we would be equipped. I'm gonna add some words here. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. And these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. We'll be united until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. We'll get revelation together. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and full develop into the abundance of Christ. We get mature and our immaturity, then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble. Come on, COVID. Nor led astray by novel teachings. Come on, Oprah. Or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Come on, Fox News. Come on, CNN. In other words, we'll be anchored people. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. We'll be loving people. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. In other words, we'll be authentic people. We'll be real. How many of you tired of fake people? We'll be real people in Christ. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts. Come on, emancipating greatness to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. We have the opportunity to use our gifts. So here's what happens. Here's what God says. When we hear God's word together, here's, here's what happens. Let's put it up here. We are equipped. We're united. We receive revelation. We're matured. We're anchored. We become loving. We become authentic. And we have the opportunity to use our gifts. This is what happens. This is why it's so important for us to hear God's word together. We have to prioritize this. We have to get this back in the right place. Why? Because too many of us are hearing God's word only individually, right? How many of you like that? Okay. People, it's none of us right now because we're actually hearing God's word corporately. But how many of us, we know people who are spiritual but not religious, Oh, man, I don't go to church. I don't buy into that indoctrination. I don't need nobody preaching to me. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Oh, in other words, you're weird. <laughs> come on. Because you come on. Because well, what happens is you disconnect from community, and they're like, oh no, man. Like I know it's not in the Bible, but God said something to me one time in a dream. It's changed my life. 
That's why I wear crystals now and burn incense and have salt lamps. I mean, it's just what I do. Just what I do, you know? Because what happens is you don't have checks and balances to your doctrine anymore. You don't have anybody to keep you anchored anymore. So you're like out there, whatever's happening, I just listen to another podcast, right? You're just going with whatever's happening in the world. And that's the danger of only hearing God individually, right? But there's also a danger in only hearing God corporately, right? Why? Because this becomes your relationship with God, right? I meet with God once every seven days. It's what I do. It's the agreement he and I have, right? But the problem is, what happens if you miss a week? Now you're two weeks. I'll I'll catch God two weeks from now, right? This is why Pastor Dennis, he used to always say that most Christians are two weeks away from backsliding because that'll mean three weeks before I meet with God again. And a lot can happen in three weeks, somebody. And so we are made to hear God both individually and corporately. There's a blessed communication that God has individually as well as corporately. So here's the question. What is our responsibility? What's our responsibility whenever there's a corporate word preached from God to us for us to hear together? How do we, let me say it like this. How do we position ourselves in such a way that when God speaks, we can actually say everything the Lord has said we will do? How can we position ourselves? How can we posture ourselves? That when God, when God speaks, we can say everything the Lord has said we will do. So let me do this. Let me give you an acrostic. All right, I'm not the acrostic guy. I'm gonna give you an acrostic though. We corporately hear God together. I'm gonna walk you through H-E-A-R, all right? When the corporate word is spoken, when a sermon is spoken, whenever two or more are gathered, when you're at a small group, whenever, whenever you're together in any form or fashion, when a word is spoken, when the logos is spoken, becomes rhema, what do we have to do in order to hear? The first thing is we have to heed. We have to heed the word of God. And I know that's a little dated word, but here, here's, here's, here we find it in Mark 4, 23. Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said this, take heed what you hear. Let's say that together. Take heed what you hear. One more time. Take heed what you hear. And and, and again, I'm going to give you some words, some language today, okay, in in the Greek, in the New Testament. That word for take heed is blepo. So Jesus says, blepo, the word of God. It means to pay close attention to. In other words, you ever, you ever, you have a dog and hear something outside and he goes, okay, do that to the word of God, Mm -hmm. right? That's what God says. Stand at attention, change your posture whenever God's word is spoken, right? Because these aren't normal words. These are God's words, right? And in fact, the, the, if you go back to the old Testament, kind of like the, the first cousin of Blepo in the Hebrew is Shema, Shema, Shema means hear in order to obey, in fact, um, different places in, in the Old Testament, that same word Shema is translated here and sometimes it's translated obey. Because in a Hebrew, listen, in a Hebrew understanding, if you don't obey, then you never heard. You might have been in the room when it was said, but you never actually heard it because you didn't heed it because you had no intention to obey it. Oh, come on now. You're getting real up in here. In fact, a, a, a different translation, the Passion Translation of, of Mark 4 says this, what we just read a second ago. It says, be diligent 
to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. Listen, for those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. In other words, we need a complete 180 revolution in how we engage with sermons. You understand? We need a, because, because this is not a passive spectator sport, what we're doing today. We're tapping into thousands of years of how God has communicated to his people. And we get the privilege to share in that lineage, right? The baton passing from one generation to the next of the rhema of God. Faith doesn't come by just by hearing, by hearing by the rhema, the proclaimed word of God. The baton has been passed to us now. This is not a spectator sport. This is not like, come on, somebody, you're making dinner and you got bowling on the TV in the background. That's how some of us show up to church. We're like, oh, yeah, okay. You're already thinking about your errands. You're like, oh, no, I gotta go get some milk. What? Oh, glory, amen. All right, all right. And then you gotta pick up the kids later. Yeah, that's good. Preach it. And then, okay. Right? Like, like we're in the room when it's happening. Like we're, we amen way more than we obey. Come on. Like, you know, that's, that's what it's saying. Like what, how, this isn't about just hearing. This is about how we're hearing. Are our ears perked up? Does our heart, does our heart awaken whenever God's word is proclaimed? This is about coming to God's word hungry. Come on, some of you go to a midweek service or Wednesday night prayer or youth service or young adult service or small group. Like, do you go hungry? That's the idea. Do you go with your ears perked up? Do you go hungry? Because listen, guys, we live in a, in a world where there's a famine of the word of the Lord. And we need to come into Sundays like we're a dying man going through a desert looking for a well. Come on, where can, that's what David said. He says, where can I go to meet with God? We get this privilege to meet with God together, to hear God together. These are not just man's words. God inhabits our Sundays. God inhabits our sermons. God's inhabit wherever two or more together. Come on, God is there in the midst of it. Show up like that. It's about being like the, the young prophet Samuel. Right when God first spoke, here's what he said, 1 Samuel 3.10. He said, Samuel answered God. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant Shema. In other words, speak, God, because I'm actually here to hear and obey what you're going to say. He doesn't say, hey, God, speak, but I'll let you know on the other side whether or not I'm going to do it. I don't put conditions on my hearing because if God is in it, then everything the Lord has said we will do. Because it's truth and it's life. It's green pastures. It's still waters. It restores my soul. God's not going to lead me out into the wilderness so I die there. God is a good shepherd. And so whatever the Lord has said, we will do. We will do. That's how I want to show up. Listen, let me ask you this question. Is that, speak, Lord, for your servant Shema. I'm hearing, I'm hearing an order to obey. Is that how you showed up today? Because I can make you this promise. If you showed up to hear in order to obey, you will hear God. You will hear God today. You will hear. But the problem is this. So I hear people lots of times, oh, I just don't hear God. And I always kind of have this heart thing of like, but do you want to? Or do you just want to hear like on your own terms? Right? Because some of us, we, we know if we say, speak, Lord, 
We know what he's going to say. Right? You know what you did last night? You don't even have to ask me. Right? Like, how are we listening? Are we heeding God's word? If so, I want to hear, just not to be in the room when I hear, I want to hear in order to obey. I want to have a heart that perks up when I hear God's word. So that's the first thing. Whenever we corporately hear God's word together, we want to heed it. And second thing is we want to engage it. We want to engage it. Let me clarify. I want to personally engage it. Personally engage it. Um, In other words, when I hear God's word, I want to hear it for myself before I hear it for somebody else. Come on, you ever been in a sermon? Maybe, maybe today, I don't know. You ever been in a sermon and you're like, man, my wife really needs to hear this. You're like looking at her. Remember that conversation we had on the drive-in? You hearing this? You hearing this, right? Some of you ladies, you're like, my husband, he's not even here. How can I get my husband to hear this message? Right? Some of you are like, oh, the kids are coming over tonight. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll click on the replay and I'll turn it up really loud in the background and maybe they'll hear it right? And you're like on the first point and you don't even hear the rest of the sermon because you're strategizing how you're going to get other people to hear it, right? I love your evangelistic fervor, right? But you need to hear God's word for you, right? Here's how I'd say it, all right? I don't mind if you take people a doggy bag when the service is over, but you got to eat for yourself first. Because too many of us, listen, you're you're too busy hearing for somebody else. And so we got a big banquet table lined out today and you're, 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 you're thinking, oh, I can take this for some, and you're dying of hunger because you're trying to feed everybody else. We have to personally engage the word, right? Because Jesus said this, Matthew seven, right? I'm going to step on some toes. Actually, I'm not because I'm just the messenger, right? Jesus is going to step on some toes. He said, why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? how could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more. You're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then, everybody say then. Listen, there's a place for then. There is a place where somebody calls themselves a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord. There is a place to be able to speak a corrective word. Hey, God calls us higher than this. There is a place for that. But first, take a look in your own blind spots, right? You ever been driving? You almost run into somebody on the interstate because they're living right there, right? All of us have that place in our life, right? And we show up and we're like, hey, you need to stop doing this. And they're like, (laughs) you're telling me that? You've been driving with that in the blind spot for years, man. Address that. And then we can turn around and talk to people about their blind spots, And so I have to personally engage with the word of God. Here's what this means. It means we have to be teachable. We have to remain, I don't care how old you are. We have to remain teachable. And here's one of the problems, okay? And I'm just going to insult a handful of you just for a second. We live in a world where there's like 21-year-old life coaches. (sighs) I'm sorry. You've lived for like a week. You can't be a life coach yet. I'm sorry. I'm not saying you don't have potential. I'm not saying God's hand isn't on your life. But you, you insult the idea of a life coach. You like still live in your mom's basement. How you? I, I got a blue check mark, man. You ain't done nothing. 
You share cat videos. But some of we think we've arrived, right? I have crossed the finish line. I can now tell everybody else what to do. Listen, we cannot be old wineskins. You need, you, I, we need to stay wet concrete our whole life, right? Get, get hard in the right places of our heart where it's like, I'm, not, I'm unflinching on the power of the gospel, right? But it be, remain teachable. Listen, I still take notes every single time I hear a sermon, right? Not so I can preach it, but because I, I got to engage with this. I don't want to die of hunger while I'm trying to feed everybody else. I got to engage with this. I got to stay teachable. I got to stay humble. I, I believe it was Charles Finney who said that too many people like spend more time looking in the mirror before they come to church than they do looking at their soul before God. And we come into God's presence unexamined. Why? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm here for everybody else. Listen, I'm not here for you. You need to say that. Like I'm here with you. We're here as a family. But first I'm here to meet with God together. Yes, but I got to meet with God. I have to meet with God. And so my, my question is this, are you here in order to hear? Are you here expecting God to speak? Are you here teachable? And I'll, I'll just say something and listen, just hear this for what it is. One of, the, one of the ways you know whether or not you're teachable is whether or not you take notes. Some of you are like, and phone come out. <laughs> I've been doing this the whole service. What are you talking? What do we think? We're just going to remember it? You don't even remember the first point. How do you remember last week? Right? Do we prioritize God's word for ourselves? What is God saying to me? How are you going to go back to what God has said? Right? Some of it, we're, too many of us were saying, well, God doesn't speak to me. Yeah, he did. He spoke to you two weeks ago. You just didn't write it down. So you forgot it. Right? Am I personally engaged with it? Is my heart actually here? Or is my body just here? Is my heart here? I'm personally engaged with this. So the question is, I'm just asking myself, what is God saying to me today? How is God challenging me today? And if there's a way I can then take that and give that to somebody else, that's awesome. All right? But I'm firstly listening for me. All right? So when we corporately hear the word of God together, we heed it, we engage it, and then we align to it. All right, this is the hardest thing we have to do, okay? Is that we hear the word, we engage with the word. The hardest thing is this, then we actually have to do it, <laughs> right? Or else why are we here? We, I wanna align my life to it. So this is when, when God speaks to us in a corporate word and um, some of us, what we hear in that word is, man, I need to quit my job, right? And so I don't wait 30 years to quit my job. Right? Until you retire. Some of you are like, oh man, I'm going to quit my job one day like you told me to. God, it's 70 years old. Why I retire and get social security? Right? No, to step out in faith. When, when God says to be generous, when God says to this, I, I, I obey, I align my life to that word. Right? Why? Because our response to God is everything God has said, we will do. Every, we cannot be people who pick and choose what we obey. Does that make sense? Right, that, that's, a, that's the danger zone. Pastor Mo, a Midtown pastor, he calls that um, uh, obedience hopscotch. Right? In other words, like, all right, we're going to hear a message about tithing. All right, oh, no, that's like the one thing, man. I, that's the one thing I, I just don't get in the Bible. I don't understand why churches talk about that. So I'm going to do that. So, yeah, we're going to do holiness. We're going to do marriage stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. Then we're going we're gonna to skip the tithing thing. 
We're going to come over here to, you know, to the next topic. And then, oh, no, they're doing tithing again. Okay, I'm going to come back in December. All right, there. Like, that's how we live our lives lots of times with God. Like, no, no. Like, I agree with like 90% of the stuff in the Bible, but that's the, no, I can't do that stuff. Right? And what, what, we, what we kind of expect to happen is that we want to edit God instead of letting God edit us. Listen, God is not the Word document. You're the Word document. And sometimes we need the Word of God to take that paragraph out of our life and to change that language and to let that part line up and then click save and to edit us. Or else why are we here? James 1, don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. In other words, have you ever been in sin? Come on, as Christians, no, just me, all right. Have you ever been in sin and you just kind of stop and you're like, this is not who I am. I was made for something different than this. I'm better in this. I'm bigger in this because God has called me something. That's like, that's what it's saying. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror and then walking away and being like, I don't know who I am. No, we know what we're called to. We know what we're supposed to look like. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, this is the power of hearing the corporate word, right? Because inside the corporate word, there's a corporate accountability. Does that make sense? Like when God called the Hebrew people to the foot of Mount Sinai, right? And God gives them the Ten Commandments. God gives them justice and mercy on, God gives them covenant, right? Nobody could be like, ah, no, I wasn't there for that Sunday. Right? No, I didn't, I didn't hear that one. I heard the rest of them, but I didn't hear that one, right? No, because you'd be like, no, nah, Bob, you were there. I saw you, bro. You at Mount Sinai. Hey, Renee, you were there. Remember, we all said, no, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Uh, Bob, you said it. I saw you. I saw you. Renee, you didn't have your fingers crossed. You said it. We all so there's a corporate accountability when we corporately hear the word together, right? That we all saying, I'm gonna align my life to this. So let me just say this. You're not gonna make it at this church if you're greedy and you won't budge. Why? Because we've made the corporate agreement that we're gonna line up to God's word about tithing and generosity. We're gonna align our lives to that corporately. That's what we do. You are not gonna make it at this church if you love being broken and wanna be broken for the rest of your life. Why? Why? Not because we're not broken. All of us have areas of brokenness in our life, but if you just settled into that and that's who I am and that's my identity, then every week you're gonna get rubbed the wrong way, right? Because God is calling us up higher and what we've agreed to do corporately, we've agreed to align our lives to the fact that God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. That God can heal you and deliver you and set you free and lead you to green pastures and still waters. Listen, you're not gonna make it here if you're a racist. It, it, all those prejudice edges, believe me, because it's happened in my life, they're gonna get rubbed off of your life by the word of God. And if you are stiff-necked, if you are unflinching, you're just gonna be frustrated all the time. Why? Because we've made the corporate decision to align our lives with the reality that we're all made in the image of God. And God smiles on every single one of us. Not any one of us is better or worse than the other. 
that through faith, we are all children of God. There's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We are one in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so let me say this to our brothers and sisters in the Asian community. We weep with you over what happened recently through, through the shootings here in Atlanta. And we know that that was not an isolated incident. We know there's been things that have happened all throughout COVID and going back and internment camps and railroad workers. I, listen, our country does, <laughs> has a broken record of valuing different people over others, but that's not what the gospel does. And so let me say this, if you, if you are anybody, but especially if you're Asian right now, not only do we love you, but God loves you. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And we are for you and we are not against you. And I believe that you were made for something great. I believe that. I believe you were made for something great. And what we've made the decision here at Victory is we want to align with God's word. We're not trying to align God's word to us. We're going to align us to God, right? And everything the Lord has said, we want to do it. Everything, we don't always get it right, but there's a heart that says everything the Lord has said we want to do. And some of us are saying, listen, I don't hear God speak. Here's what I'd say this about alignment. What was the last thing the Lord said to you that you didn't do? Right? Because here's the question I ask myself. Why would God keep speaking to me if I didn't do the last thing he told me to do? Come on, parents. Come on, parents. Your kid comes to you and be like, can I do a sleepover? Did you take the trash out yet? No, when did you tell me that? 17 times. 17 times. I even used your middle name once, right? And sometimes we're like, God, speak to me. He's like, listen, I already told you. In this series alone, in this series alone, we've talked about soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer in regards to the scriptures. We've talked about going to God, being still and knowing he's God in prayer and hearing from him. We talked about discerning God's voice in dreams and visions and even prophetic words. Okay, have we done those things? Are we asking God to say something else? Okay, here's the thing. We need to say, God, what was the last thing you told me to do? And I'm gonna go back and do that thing. And I promise you, when you do the last thing that God told you to do, he'll speak to you again. Because now he knows I have a heart that's not trying to align him to me. God, just tell me what I want to hear. No, I'm going to align my heart to God. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. When we corporately hear God's word together, we heed it, we engage it, we align to it, and then we rally behind it. We rally behind it. I remember uh, the first time I heard Pastor Dennis, the founding pastor of the church here, uh, speak on Acts 1-8, which is uh, what we call the four pillars up here on the wall. I don't even have to look at them anymore right? I've been here since 1998. We are building family and transforming community and reconciling cultures and impacting nations. And the first time I heard that proclaimed, Acts 1-8, that's where it comes from. That's the last words of Jesus on earth, physical body on earth before he ascended. The first time I heard that, I was so gripped, one, because it was so clear and it was so powerful. And two, I was so gripped by it because everybody was bought in. And that is the power of corporately hearing God's word together is that there's a corporate buy-in. There's a corporate rallying behind. We're going to see that come to pass. 
That's, that's the power of being in the corporate gathering. This is what God's doing right now with emancipating greatness in our midst. God spoke that to us corporately. So we're locking arms saying, hey, we're gonna, re, we're gonna live in that for ourselves. And then as we head into next year, we're gonna help other people do that. We're gonna see other people come to Christ. So what God put on the inside of them can explode out into the world around them as well. And this is, this is where we're at. This is the power of rallying together. And this is one of the greatest benefits of being a part of the local body. Listen, you are not just by yourself. You are not isolated. You're a part of the local army of God. Like you are team, team Jesus, man, and your team victory. We are for you. Like we're for, we got each other's backs. We're locking arms. We're locking resources. We're locking prayers. We're locking faith. And we're heading in the same direction to see God's kingdom come together. Man, I'm not just one dude sitting in my mom's basement trying to be a life coach and read my Bible. No, I'm locking arms with the, with the army of God to rally behind God's corporate word to us to see a city get turned upside down. That's the power whenever we rally to God's word together. Right? And historically, let me just tell you some of the things. Historically, as we've rallied, we've built hospitals around, around the world. We've built orphanages. I've been to them. They're amazing. Kids are being raised up right now off the street, safe from sex trafficking, because you gave like 10 years ago. That's happening right now. Water wells are being dug. We just... We just gave $38,000 like two weeks ago um, to support refugees in Clarkston. It's the biggest refugee uh, area in the entire country. You're doing ministry there. You didn't even know it. Some of you are physically going. Um, we gave $15,000 to improve bedrooms at a local uh, place that, that we support who um, pulls girls. It actually provides bedrooms for girls who get rescued from sex trafficking. Um, we just paid $40,000 to purchase a vehicle explicitly for the use of rescuing girls from sex trafficking. Um, this last week, we gave $7,000 to one of our missionaries in India. I can't tell you his name because he'd be dead tomorrow. But what he does is he actually rescues women, again, from sex trafficking out of Hindu shrine prostitution. And he gets them out. They have an orphanage and their water well went dry. So he paid $7,000 to bore a water well to provide water for them and for the community around so the gospel can keep going out. We just gave $40,000 to LifeLink International in, in Nicaragua to provide for the Christian school down there because a lot of um, the kids' supporters have dropped out throughout COVID. Throughout COVID, we have delivered meals. We have um, to first responders, to hospitals, to, to people uh, who were shut in. Throughout the years, we've seen tens of thousands of people born again, tens of thousands of disciples made, families built, communities transformed, cultures reconciled, nations impacted. We have done this because we corporately rallied around the word of God together. We are not tens of thousands of people running in tens of thousands of directions, but pointed together as the local army of God to see his kingdom come. And now, listen, we get to lock arms. Let me close this. We get to lock arms and we get to rally around what God is gonna do here this next week through Easter, through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what God is gonna do here in our midst. And let me tell you guys, there is a dark world out there, but the light of Christ is not afraid of the darkness. The light always wins. You never walk into a room, flip on the light switch and it's like, I don't know. The light wins every single time. And so we're not afraid because we carry good news. How many, how many of you know some people who have fallen off the wagon since COVID started, right? right? And Hebrews 10.25 says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day of Jesus Christ's return, dawning. 
Guys, if there's ever been a time that we need each other, it's right now, right? If there's ever been a time that the world needs the gathering, it's right now. And COVID kind of gave a lot of people who we know, who we love, kind of that last little push to disconnect. And now we get the privilege to go out and engage them once again, to come into the gathering. We know this Christmas and Easter are like the two times that many people are actually willing to engage with God. All right? And here's my promise to you. Here's my promise to you. If you will connect people with what's gonna happen here this next week, they will hear the gospel. They will encounter the dunamis of God. They're gonna encounter the power of God, I promise you that. And we're gonna do everything we know how to do. We're gonna have people using their gifts and talents and abilities and singing, dancing, acting, the whole thing, the whole thing, all right? But the power is gonna be in who's inhabiting the word. And if people connect with this, they're gonna be able to meet with Jesus. And so if you're in the gathering across any of our gatherings, listen, invite people to be a part of the gathering. That's that backinthebuilding.com. You're gonna need to do that. But listen, just get people here, okay? If you're online, click share like a thousand times. When those services are going, watch house, uh, or watch, uh, launch some watch parties. Some of you, we know this, that people will never come to church, but they might go to your house. And so what if you opened up your doors and just had lunch and invited people to come over? See, here's what I know. Here's what I know. That the word of God does come through apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I know that. But the word of God also comes through stay-at-home moms and school teachers and plumbers and lawyers and mechanics and engineers and high school students and college students and middle school students and elementary students. That the word of God is not isolated to this platform right here. And there's power in you and me as we leave this place to go and proclaim the word of God. And so every single one of us in here who's a believer, every single one of us online who's come to faith in Christ, you did so because somebody had the boldness and the love and the joy and the peace to give you the gospel. And now it's our joy to share it forward. Let's pay it forward. And let's rally around that as we head into next week. Okay, so let's take a second. Let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you. I I know, God, that you inhabit these words, not because my words are anything special, but because you love your people and you delight when the word of God is opened up and proclaimed for what it is. And we say this, God, we say this with our hearts. Many times our, our, our flesh is willing, but the spirit is, our flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing today. Um, God, as we hear your word, we say everything the Lord has said, we will do. We will heed it. We will engage it. We'll align to it. We'll rally around it. And we're looking forward to what's going to happen, God, over this next week, Friday, Saturday, and the services on Sunday across all of our campuses. God, I believe that people are going to get born again. People are going to be saved. Some family members who who have had really hard hearts, God, we're, we're going to see them come to the Lord. But I want to start right now in this moment, right now, because we're not just listening for next week. We're listening for right now. And so there are some people in here today, there's some people online who the Lord is knocking at your heart. Not just somebody else's heart. He's knocking at your heart. And you need to respond today. And you need to say, I put my faith in Jesus. And I think it's been a road leading up to this moment. Other people have talked to you. Maybe you just ended up hearing this today. Maybe you're listening to this months from now online. But God, as you here for such a time as this to say yes. And so here's what I want to do. I want to lead us in prayer. 
the family of God around these guys, we're gonna pray this together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I cannot save myself. I'm too broken. I'm too sinful. And so I repent and I leave my way to go your way. You are the son of God who died on the cross and rose again so I could be forgiven and free. You have washed my slavery away. (laughs) Right now, I receive your forgiveness. I become a new person. I am not who I used to be. You are my king. You're my savior. And I'll live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord. This is our sign of surrender. All right, this is what this simply is. It's just saying, I'm not holding anything back. I don't have clenched fists. I'm, I'm just saying, God, everything you've said, we will do. Come on, listen. If you can, let's say this together. God, everything you've said, we will do. Let's put our hands down. I want to lead us in one more prayer, okay? I want, I want you, each, each, each of us to pray this. It's just in your own heart before the Lord. Just say, God, show me one person who I can engage with and invite to Easter this next week. Can you give us just a few seconds? God, show me one person. Give me one person I can invite. God, we believe in the good news. We believe in the power of the good news to change lives. And so even if some of the people that you revealed to us are really hard towards God, like I don't want to hear it, don't want to be preached to, God, I, I pray that you would go before us and that you would make a way where there is no way. And God, you would soften hearts. And I pray, God, that there would be a great harvest of moms and dads and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and friends and children and coworkers and neighbors who come to the Lord this next week, not just at Victory, but the churches around our city, the churches around our state, the nation and the nations of the world may all bow their knee to Jesus, the good shepherd who leads us to green pastures and still waters. All glory to Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give it up for everybody who just said yes to Jesus today.